0: You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's nexus of nightmares. Hello and welcome to another episode of Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares, a podcast where we explore over 100 years of horror films and why we love them. I am your host, Luke, and with me as always, my good buddy Andy. How you doing?
1: Andy's not here, Mrs. Torrance.
0: (sighs) Oh, Tony. Oh, God, Uh Tony.
1: I can't do the Tony voice. I don't think anybody can. And he's not here, Mrs. There, I guess that's it.
0: Yeah, it's it's not that.
1: Danny's not, not here, Mrs. Dorans. Yeah, that's pretty good.
0: It's not like trying to replicate the sound of Rudolph's nose.
1: No. That's impossible. It's impossible. That's impossible. Any of our listener who can do an audio recording of them making this noise of Rudolph's nose with their mouth. <laughs> it's yeah. close to like a hum, but it's, not, it's, it's yeah. not even, it's not it? Yeah.
0: No. I wonder how they did it. I don't know. In 1960-whatever.
1: It had to be it analog. Made. had to be something they held in their hands and recorded on a microphone. But
0: I don't think we'll ever know. And I'm okay with that.
1: Some mysteries are just lost to time. <laughs> That's one of them.
0: So, we're not talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in this episode. We're not. Um we're talking about a classic horror film uh, maybe the most classic of <laughs> the most the classic the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the most classic of the classic um, the shining
1: yes Stanley certainly Kubrick. a contemporary uh, contemporary sp- what's the word I'm looking for uh, tent 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 pole? Tentpole. What's the word they they use? Yeah, like a contemporary summer, staple. summer
0: tentpole. It was released in May.
1: <laughs> it's a it's it's a it's a contemporary staple for the genre. It's it's a it's a benchmark. Yes. for sure.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, it's one. Of the, it is one of those movies where, um, I don't know. It, it it's like The Exorcist, and um, uh, I'm trying to think of another one. Off the top, my—I mean, maybe the Omen, maybe the Omen, but not to a lesser extent, the Omen. Yeah, Um, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. It's 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 even more well known than those. Like, it's more main. It's more in the mainstream, I think, now than than something like the Omen or especially Rosemary's. The Omen is is more so than Rosemary's Baby, but
1: yeah, it it was it had the benefit of coming out in 1980 where a lot of things kind of got absorbed into popular culture and it took a little bit i think for it to kind of you know for the shining to to do that but when it did i mean how often did you hear here's johnny you know yeah there's people i'm sure that there's people i'm sure that you know that were born at a certain time that Here's Johnny. They were more likely to associate with this movie than they were <laughs> the, the Johnny, Carson Johnny Carson show. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly Or the Tonight. That's what is
1: it called? The The Tonight Show. The See, Tonight I don't even remember show. the name of the damn show. It's got the Jimmy Fallon. Johnny Carson Johnny be rolling Carson. over in his grave knowing that Jimmy <laughs> Fallon was hosting that show. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a legendary. It's hit legendary status, uh, yes. Um, and uh, and yeah, it wasn't. It, it it was one of those movies that, like, I, I think actually like a lot of Kubrick's films, um, they weren't immediate, like hits and you know successes, yes. uh, both with audiences and uh, and critics. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So this is this is this is a, a movie by Stanley Kubrick. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, yes. which if you you know it, the only gonna, horror
0: film by Stanley Kubrick
1: the only horror film he he varied genres almost movie to movie he was a little bit like uh, Steven Spielberg in that regard where he kind of he, it seemed like he never really he, he he never really wanted to make the same type of movie twice and kind of moved on you know not the Steven Spielberg at this point in you know 30 movies deep hasn't done that now um, but Stanley Kubrick only directed what 10 12 movies know. over his lifetime yeah, I'm not um,
0: sure. I can't give you a number right now. I, it's not, I I it's not many.
1: It. Not as many as Steven Spielberg, for oh, sure. no, no, no. And so he, he really kind of chose what he and, – and certainly his shooting schedule would not allow for more than, you know, <laughs> one movie every 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um But he definitely moved between genres with relative frequency. Um, and this was his – yeah, as, as you said, this was his only horror movie.
0: Yeah. And, uh, obviously based off of Stephen King's book, yes. um, Stephen, it's, uh, Stephen King's second novel.
1: It was early. Yeah, it right? might be second.
0: I, I just know it was, I know it was the, it was only, so the movie was only the second adaptation of one of Stephen King's works. Yes. Following Carrie.
1: Carrie. Right.
0: following, uh, Brian De Palma's, uh, Carrie adaptation.
1: <laughs> Brian De Palma. Oh man. What? <laughs> what? I just uh, uh, Kubrick is a bit of a polarizing director um because of like what he does with movies what he does with the you know just kind of the artistic nature of them sometimes. Um but Brian De Palma is like a I feel like Brian De Palma is a very polarizing director too in like a different regard like people just fucking hate his movies or they love his movies. I don't know. There's just a certain, and not like, not like in general, just like movie by movie. It's just weird. Yeah, Which I really like the original Carrie. That's a good movie. It's it fun. Is.
0: It is a good movie. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if I'd say it's fun, but <laughs> I don't know if fun is, I don't know, is the yeah. right word, but uh, it is a good movie. It's got some I great like
1: performances it. in it. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, um Yes, this was the second the second adaptation of one of his books. And I mean Stephen King he I mean he came out pretty hot, you know. Carrie yeah. was, you know, he when he started writing novels, he wrote I always forget how he started, but he wrote some novels and some novellas and some short stories and things that kind of mm-hmm. bounced around and so um but Carrie took off pretty quickly and then The Shining took off and you know, he's kind of just been part of the collective ethos uh, as far as horror goes ever since you know the wretched as they say the rest is history as they say (laughs) don't
0: ever say that again not in that voice um
1: that was my joe turkle voice
0: joe turkle lloyd lloyd
1: um so you had
0: not seen this in a while right
1: it had been a couple years yeah oh just Um, a couple years okay yeah, well, you know, a couple when you're as old as I am, a couple really means like six or seven. Ten, ten years. Yeah, but um, – and actually, I hadn't – I had saw it a number of times in a short span, but I didn't really see it, I don't think, until my early to mid-20s. You know, this is not something I saw when I was like a teenager or something. It oh, really? A little okay. later that I saw it for the first time. But it's one of those movies that – kind of like Halloween – which is, as, you know, we all know, I saw relatively recently. It's kind of one of those movies, as we said, because it's kind of permeated uh, popular culture in the way that it has, you know, you know a lot about it. Right. Without having yeah. seen it. And I also read the book. Um, right. A long time ago. Uh, I I've, I honestly remember very little other than, you know, some of the major points of the book. Uh, but it's been a long time since I read the book. But. Um, yeah.
0: So I'm kind of the opposite, where like I, I saw the movie, in like probably junior high, um, and then I didn't read, I didn't actually read the book until, um, shit, probably within the last, within the last like five, five years or so. When, actually, yeah. When,
1: once you actually learned how to read,
0: right? Took me a while. But <laughs> Took me a while. <laughs> it finally got there. Once my um, parents
1: said it was okay for me to <laughs> learn how to read the swear words, then I was all about it. <laughs> Uh, I actually think, you know, this is going to be sacrilegious to say, but I think I saw the, the miniseries. Oh God. That was the first thing I saw. Really? Yeah. Sadly. And I remember
0: being really, so I remember being really excited about the miniseries, like when it, when it came out. So I was aware of like, you know, the story I had seen and I must've seen, you know, you know, the, the Kubrick film. And I remember, yeah, it was like an ABC miniseries, as yeah. they, as all of the Stephen King <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> adapted TV series are. They're always the fucking ABC, it seems like. Um, but uh, yeah, I, rem- I remember, like, I, what did that come out in, like, 97? Yeah. Or something like that? Um, but yeah, I, I remember, like, the build up to that and, like, being excited for it and stuff like that. Also being a big fan of
1: Wings and Stephen <laughs> and, Weber. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: Stephen Weber. Uh, shit. We should have got
1: um, Roy in there. Playing, Roy playing Halloran.
0: Roy Roy Biggins should have played Lloyd the bartender. <laughs>
1: that would have been good. But yeah, I saw that. I saw that at that age, you know, knowing that it was a, you know, because we would like, I, like you said, I think it was ninety-seven or ninety-eight, so we would have been thirteen or fourteen. So I would have been pretty comfortable, you know, in terms of scary stuff. You know, not not right. being comfortable watching it. And my parents would have let me watch it on TV knowing that it wasn't like, you know, going to be super intense or anything. So it was well, just remember, one, of those, one of those things that kind of hit right at the right time. Right. And shit, and,
0: I remember you were the one. I remember watching uh, another ABC miniseries, Stephen King adaptation. Oh, boy. It. I remember yeah. watching It. Uh, I mean, obviously not the whole damn thing. Yeah, but I remember watching at least at least that the opening.
1: Oh, I of, too. The, of,
0: of that TV series at your house, at my house. At, at, I remember watching it at your house. We That's, must have been older. I don't know. I just that, I remember. I just remember.
1: No, we had to at, be old. Being at your house, yeah, maybe, we had yeah, to be older.
0: I, so when did that come out? That came Cause out because
1: that man. came out in like ninety two. Shit, no, I think
0: that came out in like ninety.
1: Yeah, it was it was early. Yeah, but but yeah, so it wasn't so the first yeah, time we it prob- aired, but we probably no, did watch no, it together.
0: No. But I remember watching it. Yeah, together with you and it, and I, I, I'm betting it was before. It was before the the uh, the Shining series came out.
1: Oh, absolutely, hundred percent. So. Yeah, no, I I was young enough when the It series came out <laughs> that that I was supposed to be going to bed when it was coming on. And I remember vividly, I, my parents were watching it and they were like, they had warned, they like warned me, you know, <laughs> we're going to watch the show. It's scary. You need to go to bed. And I, I didn't want to go to bed. And so they turned it on and they were watching it. And I sat there and saw the Georgie scene. Like, Holy shit. And, and I remember sh- and screaming. the shadows, like.
0: Oh, like, so did your parents know you were there watching it? or were No, you like- I was,
1: yeah, I was there. I was like on the floor, like by my mom, like turn it oh. off, turn it off. And they're like, you need to go to bed. <laughs> and I'm like, turn, turn the show off. I don't want to see thought, this. And they're I like, I thought you, you like
0: snuck in while they were watching no. it and were like in the But it was darkness, a very, it was like-
1: a very, like now that I have kids, it's absolutely something they would do. They'd be like, yeah. I'm, I don't want to, I, I'm. You know, I want you to watch my show, you know, and you're like, no, I'm not go to bed. I'm watching this. And they're screaming because they're terrified. And you're like, no, you need to go to bed. <laughs> and you're screaming
0: because they're interrupting your show. Yeah. And you can't pause it because it's <laughs> 1990. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, <laughs> and it's on, but yeah. on television. Yeah.
1: I remember, yeah. like almost in the fetal position, like being on the floor, like whole, like with my arms around my oh mom's, like like hiding my head, like turn it off. And my mom, Just my mom and dad were like, "No, will you go to bed?" <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, um, that's funny. But yeah, so you know, by the time The Shining rolled around on TV, I was kind of like, you know, having that in my past and being brave, a brave teenager. Now I was like, oh yeah, I can watch this. And so you teenager. know, the 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 that's what kind of got me excited about the plot. Um. And I didn't really have anybody to kind of go back at that point and like really feel like, you know, other than maybe you to really be like, we should watch the old one, you know? Right. Right. Um, and, and I just never got around to it until I was older. And then, uh, and then I finally did. And I probably read the book around the same time, actually, that I watched the miniseries too. Um, they kind of in my mind are like bleed together, but
0: yeah, I, uh, what was I going to say? Um. I mean so I can't remember the first Kubrick film that I watched. I don't know if it was it, it could have been The Shining. Um it could have been 2001. Yeah. Um I remember 2001 had a pretty had a I just I, I don't know. I I just vividly remember watching that movie. And I mean much like much like The Shining. It just I don't know. There's just something about it like it has and you know, just just the visuals and it just it it just yeah. has a really unique uh mood and and feel to it and it's yeah. just weird and i remember watching i mean i watched both i must have watched both of them you know sometime in junior high um that's junior high was when i really started kind of getting into like um just like more serious like cinema you know more like like going back and like looking at kind of like classic you know, movies that had kind of attained that, you know, classic status and
1: Yeah Um I remember we stopped hanging out because you kept correcting me every time <laughs> I said movie. You were like, you have to call it a it's a film. It's film And I was like, Oh my cinema. god, dude, we're no, twelve. Did, What's wrong with you? Happen. That's a lie. And that's when we knew. And that's when we <laughs> I don't know what we knew, but that's when we knew. <laughs> Uh, I remember shit. the first one, the first Kubrick movie I saw was absolutely, absolutely Full Metal Jacket, which really? is not necessarily the one you want to start with. Yeah. Because I, it, is, I, it is intense.
0: I don't remember a whole lot from that movie. I've seen it, but it's been a very long time. I think, yeah, I think probably like the movies of his films, the ones that I've seen the most, are definitely... The Shining is number one, the one that I've seen the most. And then, I, I think I've seen 2001. If I haven't seen it more times, I just remember it more. Um, yeah. 2001. And then, yeah. I, I mean, he, Full Metal Jacket was like, <laughs> he that was in the what, like 86, 87?
1: 86, and, 87, yeah, late 80s. And
0: then he he took a whole fucking decade or so off. Yeah. And then did Eyes Wide Shut and then died. Yeah. <laughs> and then died. And then promptly died <laughs> while finishing that film.
1: Um, I mean, Full Metal Full Metal Jacket is, yeah, it's rough. It's hard to watch. And I was probably 14 or 15 when I saw it. And I remember getting, because it's, it's the worst part about Full Metal Jacket is it's in two parts, really. And it's kind of, you know. You got, you got know, the boot camp and then it. you
0: got the, like, they may actually... Yeah. The war, Right.
1: And obviously, with Kubrick, <clears throat> nothing is unintentional. Um, so he, you know, he does that purposely. But it, it's hard to, it visually, it's hard to watch because of the violence. But cinematically, it's hard to watch because of that kind of distinct, abrupt change in how, in the story. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I've always had, I've always taken a little issue with that, but. That was the first one. And then I, I watched 2001 um, in college and probably The Shining right around the same time. And then I watched and then I watched The Shining many times after that. So I've probably seen The yeah. Shining and Full Metal Jacket about the same amount of times. Um, really? Yeah. Half a dozen probably each. Oh, wow. um, and there's interesting similarities between the two. There's a lot of similarities between all of his movies, which is he's got a lot of trademarks.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, so I haven't seen anything of his um, before Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he did a number of films before that. Um, yeah. But I feel like Dr. Strangelove and On are kind of like, that's his peak. Yeah, you know, oh yeah. Kind of peak, peak period, you know, um, from like the mid mid to late 60s until, you know, the mid to late 80s. Yeah. It's kind of like his prime, prime period. Um,
1: but yeah, well, he always like
0: adapted, uh, he, he always adapted like- That's like, what I was going to say. E- either novels or, yep. or short stories, you know, existing material.
1: Yeah. Um, almost none of his stories or maybe none of them uh, were original. They right? were all adapted for the most yeah. part. Um, but he put, but the interesting thing is, and, you know, we'll talk about it with The Shining. He put his, he puts a stamp on it. Like he doesn't just. Oh, yeah. He's not.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely.
1: Adapted is definitely the word to use because he, do, he does not take the novel Loosely. or the story. And, <laughs> Loosely yeah, based and, off of it. <laughs> and, 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 and just put it to the screen, um, which, no. you know, can be an issue for some of the, right. of the authors. I, I,
0: I, yeah, and I, it was obviously an issue with Stephen King. Um, yeah. Well, Stephen King's the, a jackass. No. <laughs> I, love I love Stephen Steve, King.
1: I, well, I shouldn't say I love Stephen King. I don't. I mean, as a person, I don't know him. But, you know, I have read a large amount of his works. Yeah. So, you know.
0: And he just seems like... See, I think that's, that's where I kind of um, tend to side with Stephen King because... I just feel like what I know of Stephen King as a person. Um, he just seems very, uh, he just seems pretty down to earth. He doesn't seem like he has like a big ego about him. Um, and, and I just feel the opposite about Kubrick. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, I mean, again, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's just the, that's just the feeling that I get. And, and, um, and so, you know, like, I, I just tend to say, I mean, yeah, it, it's, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about the differences between the book and the movie and, and you know, stuff like that. And um, I, I'm not even, like, the biggest fan of The Shining as a book. Um, so if I, if I'm ever, if I ever feel like I'm coming to the defense of Stephen King or anything like that, it's really not, <laughs> it's really not so much that, Um because it's not like I the book is not you know is, is far from perfect and and there's things about it you know um, that I'm I'm not you know a huge fan of and um but uh, but yeah it's interesting you know that it's interesting that that Kubrick who had never done a horror film he you know never he had never worked in the genre before um you would think that he would he would um you know stick more closely to the to the source material yeah and kind of rely a little bit more on you know the horror elements within the story but he doesn't (laughs) right like all all of the most iconic things from this film are original to the film they're they're not in the story at all you know um you, you know the 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 two girls in the hallway and, yeah. and the blood coming out of the elevator. And yeah. um the I don't axe. even think, yeah, the ax, it was a cro croquet mallet or something, right? In the, yeah. in the book. Um uh And then, and what was the other thing? Was, what did, so there was, out there was the room. So it was room. Uh, 277.
1: Yeah. In three. the movie it's 237. Yeah. In the book right. it's In the book it's 217. Which that was book, a change because of the hotel,
0: right? Right, um, but in the book, is there a woman in the tub or is that something that he added to? I can't remember, it's
1: been so long, you know, yeah. like I said, it's been probably 20 or 25 years since I've read it. Yeah, I really don't remember. I think there is, but I don't recall.
0: Yeah, I can't remember either. I, I, I something tell something makes me think that I that it's not, it's not in the book. I mean, yeah. obviously, the room is in the book, and stuff happens, but I don't know if there's. Oh, if the stuff happens. What happens in, <laughs> what, if the what happens in room two
1: three seven stays in room two three
0: seven. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so there's there's yeah. a lot of changes, but I mean, like you know, he See, does some stuff that you know he, he 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 the you know he he's a I mean he's a visual guy he's a I mean he's a filmmaker. You have to be visual and like so I mean like he I mean I think he really did, you know, take some things kind of scrapped some stuff that was in the book that just either wasn't feasible at the time to do um like the the topiary, like the yeah. topiary animals which is that's just kind of ridiculous anyways. Um Yeah. But um but I I mean I think he made some smart choices there and did some, you know, unique you know Added some unique stuff uh, to the story for sure, but
1: yeah, I mean, my thing is so I, I'm I guess I, I'm the counter. I, I know you weren't really making an argument, but I'll present a <laughs> counter argument. In my opinion, you know, the movie surpasses the book because Kubrick has kind of this unique genius of being able to look at something and. In my mind, kind of see the potential that is unrealized. You know, to see, yeah, to see this. You know, kind of interesting story about a guy struggling with his personal demons, and then and then having to fight these kind of real external demons, um, and and his family and his little boy that has magic powers. You know, and, <laughs> and read into that. You know, a much stronger. You know, a much stronger theme um, that he can kind of strip down, yeah, and convey. It's because definitely stripped down. My thing, and it with, has to
0: be. It has to be stripped down. I mean, it, you know. to some
1: extent, it has to be. But I think a lot of it he did intentionally um, because because of how he wanted to convey the story. Um, because I mean, the, so again, I'll, I'll reiterate. I I like Stephen King's books. I've read a lot of them. I've read his son's books. You know, I've read, I've read a number of (laughs) Joe Hill's books. I mean, I like horror and I like pop horror and I like, you know, books that provide entertainment value. I like movies that provide entertainment value. Um, And that's what Stephen King brings. I think my, the biggest complaint that anybody could have for Stephen King is that he, he, he's a, he's a pop artist, you know, he, 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 He delivers in things that are, you know, palatable to a lot of people. Even though he's writing about some despicable things, he writes in a way that's very palatable, very accessible to a lot of people. Um, And 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 although Stanley Kubrick has been has had a very successful career. As we said, you know, a lot of his movies don't come out of the gate super strong. You know, it takes a little time for some of them to catch on. And that's because he's not as palatable. You know, he's not he's not as easy to digest. Um, And I think, um, you know, I think it's that's where I get the I don't Stephen King seems like, all right, dude, but but that's where I feel like he's just he's in, in some ways equally as pretentious, you know. Where he's like, oh, I've got this work, you know, this this book that I wrote that's that's so good, you know, I, I can't believe that somebody would change it. You know, I can't believe somebody would adapt it and then change things about it, God forbid. Yeah. Like, he's never seen an adaptation of a novel before, you know what I mean? And, and I think really what underpins the whole thing is that starting – not necessarily starting, but, you know – Relating it back to a movie that we've already talked about around 1978 when Halloween came out and, and we heard this with the production of Halloween um, with some of the producers and with John Carpenter, some of the things that they said, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Hollywood, Hollywood in general, and especially the genre of horror was kind of taking a nosedive. Like right in the, in the, in the late sixties and seventies, they're just like TV had taken over, you know, TV was, it was at the point where like television was, was, you know, kind of where it's at. And there just wasn't a lot of exciting things happening necessarily in the movie theaters. Um, especially it's, it's when it sound, came to horror.
0: Kind of sounds like right now, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's definitely gone it's swung back that way. Um, and in 1978 and around that time when Halloween came out, you know, that was where, these horror movies, especially with, with these slasher movies, you know, your Friday the 13th and, and Halloween and some of these other big horror movies were all starting to to come out at that time. And that's what people wanted. I mean, that was, that was the big thing. And there was, there was a, there was already, you know, in the span of just a short time that's that, you know, Halloween and and some of these other movies were really getting big, you know, between 1978 and, and 1980. Um, there was already a formula to it. There was already an understanding of what worked and what didn't. And everybody was trying to emulate those sorts of things. And the shining came out and it was like, not only, not only did it not subscribe to the formula and not only did it, not only did it subvert some of the things that were in the formula and some of the tropes that were already being established, but it like, Stanley Kubrick, being Stanley Kubrick, he didn't even know or care about right, right. the tropes and the things that existed. He just set out to make what you know yeah. what Stanley Kubrick makes, and kind of kind of just blew past it all. You know, it was like people were offended. It was it was almost like people were offended that he didn't even bother to read the horror movie manual, you know what I mean? Like he just, he did not only not, not that, not that he didn't even follow it. It's that he didn't even read it. He just left it behind and was just like, I I liked this book and I'm going to adapt it the way I want to, but it's going to be my way. And I think that rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, it certainly rubbed audiences the wrong way. There was a lot of people that didn't, that went into this movie expecting one thing, especially with the fame of Stephen King and having read the book. Um, that went of this movie expecting one thing and, and did not get it at all. Yeah. Um, And so that's, I think that's why it's taken so long to be not so long, I guess, but it took time for it to become realizes is as good as it is because people had to look at it far more objectively than, than was a, was a, was able to be done at the time that the book was popular and other horror movies, you know, completely different than this We're very popular.
0: It's interesting because, you know, you, you make that point and you're absolutely right. Um, I am uh, where <laughs> good show where, everybody, where, where, you know, where Kubrick came in at this time where, you know, right after Halloween had, had been made. And that was an, an enormous hit and everybody, was I just remembered
1: I was going to say before I don't, didn't mean to cut you off, but I remember this quote that I wanted to mention before I forget there was actually a quote that I read, and I can't remember who it was. If it was the woman who wrote it, uh, who, who co-wrote the screenplay with Kubrick. I forget her name. Diane. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Uh, she was uh, a novelist, right? Yeah. Diane Johnson. That's what I thought it was. Um, I can't remember if it was her or one of the producers or somebody, but some, it might, might have been Shelley Duvall. It was a woman. My mind is telling, making me think it was a woman. Somebody told him that, because this movie took 56 fucking weeks to make. Somebody had told him if the, if the, they had been able if he if he hadn't drug his feet if it didn't take them so long to make the movie essentially and it had come out a little sooner that they would have been it would have probably been more well received but the genre had changed and been so so much more well established by the time it came out that they kind of got you know yeah it was like it was coming out of left field for people anyway yeah. sorry to cut you off
0: oh no it's just yeah so I mean like you know. You had Halloween coming out in 78 and then, and then like you were saying, the genre started kind of changing rapidly and, and there were a lot of, you know, films trying to emulate, uh, that, that slasher kind of formula and stuff. And so, you know, it's just two years later that, that The Shining comes out and like you were saying, kind of subverts those things, um, and and doesn't do something that is main that is you know necessarily mainstream and accessible, but it and that's so that that didn't really it seems like that didn't really work with both critics and audiences at the time. Yeah, but also it's weird because another movie we talked about recently, The Thing, came out just two years later, and and that movie. So it's like on the one hand, The Shining is like this two and a half hour long movie. Yeah, a l- lot of drama, slow pacing. Yeah, um, not a lot of, not a lot of blood and gore, not a lot of crazy <laughs> shit going on. But that's that doesn't end up being very well received, because well, for whatever reasons, some of the reasons you mentioned, but like, you know, and then but then you've got something like the thing that comes out just two years later, nineteen eighty two. That apparently went too far, you know, like right. It was like too extreme. It was it was too violent. It was too gory. It was too much, right. And so it's it's just kind of weird because you know both of those movies, The Thing and The Shining, were not re- well received when they came out, yeah. And and now are considered some of the most you know some of the best e- yeah. examples of, of, of horror films you know in the in the history of cinema, and so. It's just kind of weird because the the thing and 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 The Shining are quite a bit different, you know. Yes. Um. And um. But and they're both they're kind of on the, the extremes, you know, yeah. one way or the other, you know. And uh, and it's just funny it's, that neither it, neither one of them just were doing it <laughs> for right. for both audiences or critics at the time, and and, and they
1: were two years apart. It just goes to show how, it just goes to show how much the current climate can influence a moviegoer or a critic's palette for what they find acceptable in a movie, you know? It's, it's just, it's so interesting, like, you know, it's, it's just so interesting You know, think about right now, we've got the Marvel movies, you know, those, those are, those are kind of over the last decade taken over, you know, the the Hollywood essentially. I mean, that's, that's where, that's where the money is. That's what, you know, in these times, that's all people are paying really, really the only thing they're paying to go see. Um, and, and think about like anything that's not that or anything that doesn't resemble that is almost like doomed from the start, you know? Yeah. Um and and it's kind of that same thing and and there's i'm sure there's going to be movies that came out in these 10 years that you know were 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 looked upon as you know kind of not great entertainment or not or not you know fitting a certain mold that we'll look back on and say why didn't we why didn't we see that at the time you know <laughs> why didn't we see how good that was because it came out it just came out at the wrong time when people weren't ready for it or they were too accustomed to something else
0: and there's just so much out there nowadays, you know? Yeah. Um, you've got all these... Now
1: stream- it's overload. Yeah. Now,
0: yeah. And you've got all these, you know, streaming platforms, and they're all rele- releasing, you know, exclusive things. And a lot of it, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, some a lot of this stuff just never even... Doesn't even hit theaters anymore, you know? It just no. goes right to some sort of, you know, streaming service. And, yeah. And I just feel like, yeah, it'll it's going to be interesting to see you know, in, in the years to come and, um, you know, just what, what is remembered and what is, you know, what is appreciated. And, and I think there's just going to be so many, so many films and things that are just kind of lost, yeah. uh, in, in the, in the shuffle and in the mix and, um, and,
1: the, and, the, and I think there's going to be a lot more mediocrity too, you know what I mean? There's just a lot more. Netflix can es- essentially Netflix has more budget than any movie studio in history because of their subscription service, you know what right. I mean? They can literally ju- they can they're a billion dollar company. They can literally throw hundreds of millions of dollars at a movie without yeah. without batting an eye. Yeah. You know, because the, the, they're the, going to make the, that money next year with their subscriptions.
0: It'll last a season and then they'll cancel it.
1: Right. And but they can but or they can throw tons of money at just all these different projects. And you know, and how many of those pro- you know, if you look at a bell curve, how many of those projects are gonna turn out just meh, you yeah. know? And then but you're yeah, gonna get like, some stinkers and you're gonna get some great ones. And but there's like gonna be said, this whole flood of just meh.
0: For the most part, it doesn't really matter, you know. Like, yeah. they're they're getting they're getting their money yeah. any which way, you know.
1: Doesn't matter um, who's watching, all that matters is who's paying.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: But anyway, so I think Stephen King was really upset. Stephen King, <laughs>
0: well, and you got to remember too, this is this is like Stephen King's second novel. It's very yes. early. It's
1: very early in his it's career, p- and it's very personal to him because that's it's true. it's about him. That's true. I mean that that's another thing. And yeah. but to be fair, every one of Stephen King's main characters is him. I mean, not every <laughs> single one of them, but like Ben Mears, you know, in Salem's Lot, that's Stephen King you know this yeah. just kind of i mean you was write he a what photographer you know, he you know? he might have been a was he a photographer instead of a instead of a writer in that one i don't know it was something no, I'm very sure. i'm pretty
0: sure he was just a no, he was a novelist i'm pretty yeah, sure he it, was
1: a writer it, in it, that too it, 90% of his stories the main character is a nov, a novelist or a writer or some artistic profession that has like some murky past <laughs> or some or some addiction or some problem and 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 i get i take exception to the fact too that like he feels like i think he feels like the movie kind of ruined the theme of the book which was really like which which is the theme of every one of his books by the way <laughs> which is which is there's really two themes which is that you know you know dealing with really dealing with a personal issue like alcoholism um kind of implicitly while dealing with an external problem that mimics that, you know, explicitly. So for Jack Torrance in the book, you know, he's had a a history of violence and alcoholism, which is alluded to and discussed, but never like it, it. It's all in the past tense. And then when he gets to the hotel and he starts kind of getting influenced by the, the spiritual nature of the hotel, he starts to take on those, Those characteristics he had when he was drinking, you know, that's kind of what it is, which that happens a lot in his books, you know, where it's like the good, the person who's, you know, the, the the representation of the, the internal struggle as an external monster, really. Mm -hmm. And then the other question is, is always like, you know, the, the, are people truly good or evil sort of thing? Like, is there, you know, is there you know that sort of kind of struggle of like you know are these people bad or are they just being influenced by this force that's another one of his things that come up sometimes right. but um but that that he talks about that in like every book. <laughs> and and it's not particularly profound you know it's not it's interesting and it's it makes for for interesting books and interesting reads but it's not particularly profound and i i feel like personally kubrick dug deeper and by simplifying what he did was he stripped all that away you know he wasn't like well he 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 didn't make it about you know, like we want to see Jack's struggles with alcoholism and use and, and use the ghosts as an allegory for like his, his issues with alcoholism and, and abuse. He, that's not it at all. It's more like he stripped away, you know, most of the characteristics of all three characters and made them like these generalizations to where, you know, it's kind of more like a it's more like a force, you know, it's more like, it's not about following the character's journey. It's more about like the inevitability of like going mad, essentially. Like, so, you know, it's just, it puts you in this weirder state of like, of like this kind of, you know, higher mindset of like, these people are not people. They're more like ideas you know, they're more like the ideas of madness and the ideas of like yeah. innocence and the idea of of you know like trying to hold things together like Wendy. You know, it's like these it's like these ideas, and and these ideas are being toyed with by this, you know, force or whatever, but you don't even know what the force is. Is it the it's ghosts? Kubrick.
0: The the force yeah, is Kubrick. The, <laughs> the force
1: is Kubrick, exactly. <laughs> it's not the it's not really the ghost. it's not really it's it's Kubrick as God, really.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, he's pretentious. But to me, it's effective, you know, to me, it's like when I watch the movie, I'm like, I feel it, you know, it's, I feel like this like force of like, you know, what would it be like to go crazy? You know, what if you were already crazy? Yeah. Like Jack Torrance uh, and you didn't know it.
0: Right. And I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the main differences where, you know, um, in the book, you know, he's got, he's got these issues and 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 but he's you know he he seems to be you know he seems to have this uh inner quality to him that is yeah go, somewhat good you know he's right. not like an he's not o- overtly you know just bad um right. and and then you and then he gets to the hotel and that the forces at work there slowly kind of yeah. pick away at him and and manipulate him and 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 turn him you know turn him against his family and things like that and in the and in the movie like you just you don't get you get less of a sense of that like you get it's more of just like he already seems to have like i don't know like it, it's very early on in the movie where you're like this guy is kind of a dick and he's already yeah. like he's already like just Snapping, in you know, early on in the movie, and you're like, yeah. and so there, there's, there's less of, I don't know. I guess there's just to me, there's less of, uh, a a devolution of of the character, and I don't know. And that, that's that's one of the issues I have with, and and I and I think you know, I mean, obviously, like you said, Kubrick did that intentionally. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you know, he he was he he wanted. He wanted the character of Jack, I think, to start off already you know imbalanced and almost kind mm-hmm. of like <laughs> you know insane and just push him even further and that's that's kind of the difference between between the book and the movie, you know
1: um but yeah yeah i I think i mean. I wasn't going to talk about it right away, but my... So, the the way I watch this movie... So, there's a thousand different interpretations of this movie. One of the things I love about this movie is it's so open to interpretation. Yeah. Whereas the novel's not. The novel is cut and dry. I mean, it's ghosts. They show up. Danny's got powers. <laughs> yeah. The hotel wants Danny. You know, Wendy's a very strong woman who's protecting Danny and, and keeping... And, you know, kind of protecting him from Jack... And Jack is kind of, you know, being kind of eaten alive by the by the hotel to try and get at Danny. I mean, that's really what it is. Um, In the movie, it's far more ambiguous what's happening, even in terms of the ghosts. You don't there's there's I like I like
0: that I like I like oh yeah you know that that's that's a part of it that I do. I do like I, and and I like a lot of the choices, you know, that that Kubrick made um, where he's downplaying a lot of things. He's he's doing things in ways that aren't as obvious and yeah. where you can where you're not really sure, like, is is Jack just like, you know, is <laughs> it, it are these, you know, things that he's creating in his own mind and. Um, right. And and you think that you know for a good portion of the film you, you you're right. wondering like how much of this is actually real and happening how much of it is you know psychological and in his you know in his head, um, I like all that stuff, um, but my my issue is that like you kind of, I don't know, it's because because like you said you know the book the book is so much more focused on on Danny. In, right. in his powers. I mean, the book is, the book is called The Shining. <laughs> the movie right. is called The Shining. Um, and there's very little of The Shining actually at play in the movie, you know? Um, and I don't know.
1: I mean, there's just, you're falling into the trap. The same what? trap that they fell in in 1980 when they saw it for the first time. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I, but most I'm sure most of the people seeing the movie you know hadn't had not read the book.
1: It know. was pretty popular. I don't know, maybe.
0: Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Like like I said, I I like the film and I like the book. Uh I mean, and and, and yeah, they're very different and and you know I, I mean I, I, all I'm saying is I can see why why King has an issue with this. And he doesn't even really se- seem to have an issue with m- very many other ad- adaptations. Like, it's not like he's like... Even the
1: bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like... Again, I think that's why I feel like, that's why I feel like, yeah, that's why I feel like he, he's he got a some, he, that's why I feel like he's kind of a dick about it.
0: I think it was, I, to me, it was more that, like, I think Kubrick was kind of a dick about it.
1: Well, think, Kubrick is a dick. I, I mean, think, that's a given.
0: I think Kubrick was just like I think he I think he was kinda like he just looked down his nose at King and the and the source material and was like, I'm gonna do my own fucking thing. And
1: Well, I don't know about the source material, because he wouldn't have chosen I mean, like we said, he didn't do a lot of movies. He wouldn't have chosen it if he didn't think it was a good book or a good or a good premise.
0: Right. But I think he I was think... also coming off of, uh, what did he, he, what did he done? Uh, Barry Lyndon. Mm-hmm. Um, and the horror, the horror genre was becoming popular and Barry Lyndon, I don't think had done very well. No. And I think he was really looking f- for something. I think he was looking to, uh, you know, get into, tap into a, a genre that was going to be more successful. Um, and I think I, I I mean from what I read, and I could be wrong, but like I thought he like he specifically started like looking at horror horror books, horror novels, and yeah, he was going through the, like there's the story of like you know yeah. his secretary or whatever, like he going through the you know had a stack of stack of books that he would go through and he would throw them against the wall as he rejected them, and there was a period of time where she, the The secretary didn't hear the you know, books hitting the wall, and she came in, and he was reading, The Shining, and whatever. But right, um, yeah, no, but yeah, I, I don't know. You, you know, it's all very, it's all very mysterious. You don't know, like you know, Kubrick is just kind of, he's just that kind of figure where you know, he's, you don't know
1: he's a he's a pretentious filmmaker you know he's a he's a he's a single minded artistic everything for the final product doesn't matter what the cost sort yeah. of filmmaker i mean that's that's the guy he was but i mean I think it's i just think it's naive of that's the word I was looking for 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 King I think it's naive of King to be like to to feel like I've written this book that's so good you know. <laughs> How dare anyone like take my hedge animals and not use them? You know, like that's I, well, the impression. That's how he comes. But that's how he comes off. Like in and Kubrick always comes off as a dick. I mean, that's the, the the you watch any interviews with him. You watch any behind the scenes. He's a dick. He's a total dick. And but and I'm not justifying it. But, you know, and he's dead now. So it's not like he's, you know, running amok on any sets anymore. But you expect that, you know, and, and, and by this point, you know, he's, he's got a reputation, you know, by the time he's making The Shining, he's got a reputation. People knew he was difficult to work with. Um, and, yeah, and yeah, we have
0: e- and we're, we're, we're sitting here talking about King, King versus Kubrick and, and this and that, whenever, and, and we haven't even really talked about like. You know the the like how Kubrick is as a filmmaker. um, You know, I was getting to my interpretation. uh, I was getting to my
1: interpretation of what the movie means, but you brought it back to to King versus Kubrick. No, no, you should go ahead. (laughs) Because my my opinion is, and I don't know, I don't know if this. I think it's been said before. I don't. I doubt that I made it up, but maybe I did. My thought is the Overlook is the mind. You know, essentially, the Overlook is is, is the mind of an individual and Wendy, Danny and Jack are like pieces of the persona, you know? Okay. Danny is the innocence. Wendy is the, the, the balance. And Jack is the, the, you know, kind of the piece that's in charge. That's, but the piece that's in charge is broken, you know? And so the whole movie is about, you know, basically what it's like to go insane, you know, that piece of your mind that's kind of in charge of everything, is overpower is is broken and going crazy and overpowering the rest of you and and kind of the inevitability of of being able to stop that wrapped up in a ghost story but again that's the brilliance of the movie is because it's so simple because there's so little character arc because there's so little yeah. there's really very little plot it's very open to interpretation. What does it mean? You know, what, what is it? How does what, and it's less about what it means and more about how it makes you feel, you know, what does it make you think of? And that changes. And and the beauty of that too, is it changes over time. You watch it now. It might tell you one thing. You watch it later. It might tell you something else. Most movies you can't get that from. And I guarantee you're not going to get that from the, the word for word shining miniseries that was based on <laughs> oh, the no, book. You know, that's yeah, that's 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 literal. that's literal. The problem is Stephen King wanted a literal adaptation and 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 um and Stanley Kubrick did not provide a literal adaptation. He provided an open ended work of art, you know? Yeah. And that's not what Stephen King expected. Right. So neither of them is really wrong. It's just what do you you know how do you feel about what you were given? Yeah. So, but that's my interpretation. The 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 you know they're all pieces of of a psyche. They're all pieces of a mind. Yeah. You know? And the hotel is kind of you know the brain, the house, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: But there's a lot of crazy theories out there too.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: That I don't mean, make any sense. I mean, if you think that didn't make sense, you should hear some of the other ones. No,
0: no. I mean that. Yeah, that's that's you know, I don't know. I shit. And you know, I I I went to know, uh, I went to film school, and
1: oh, and I still and dropping I, it.
0: No, I, I am dropping it, and but I'm dropping it in a way where I'm 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 going to uh, I'm going to uh, extrapolate on that and tell you that like I went to film school, and I still see you. You, am I'm, I'm telling you that you looked more into this film than I ever have like yeah i didn't i i i don't go that deep and and a lot of times like and maybe i'm just maybe i'm just simple but like i just <laughs> i don't go that deep in in into movies i don't want to go that deep into movies to be honest like i watch a movie and i want to i want to feel something i want to be you know stimulated visually audibly um and and, and certainly this movie does that um uh, but uh yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm actually, you know, more more simple in, in that in that aspect where like, you know, I'm not always looking for like these, you know, deep dark interpretations and, and always looking for the like hidden messages and hidden meanings and things like that. Yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is a movie that like because like you said, it's it's so stripped down, it's It's, um, I mean, there's, and it's so visual and I mean, there's, you know, a a lot of the, I mean, there's, there's not a ton of dialogue and there's not a, there's not a, the story is very, you know, very stripped down. Um, I mean, you spend so much time, (laughs) so much, so much of the movie is spent like showing like Dick Halloran trying to get in contact with a hotel and, and then making his fucking way to the hotel from fucking you know, going from Florida to Colorado. Yeah. All for him just to get a fucking axe in the chest.
1: Again, that's and, what a great subversion, you and, know? And yeah. Not and, only not only is like a total difference from the book, but like just to be like this guy's gonna show up and like kinda help save the day, and it's like, nope, he fucking dead. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh but but Dicky. But Dicky <laughs>
0: Scatman. Sweet Scatman Crothers.
1: But but I th- see the thing like you said, you don't read that much into it, but I feel like this movie I and I'm not the type of person that does that either. Like we've talked about Mike Flanagan and how much we love him. The reason we love him is cuz he's the exact opposite. It's not the fact that he trans, you know, the the Stephen King adaptations he's done that he's done them perfectly to the book, which for a, in a lot of ways he has. But it's that he nails the characters so well that you you are really drawn to those characters, you know, and you really feel their plight. Yeah, I mean, um, he's definitely more of an emotional. Yeah. But this this movie's not this movie this movie asks you to do the opposite. It, I mean, it it it's it Kubrick clearly made this movie for people to mull over. He made he made all, he makes all of his movies for people. He doesn't ever say anything explicitly. He wants people to think about things and what it means to you, you know, and, and he want, I mean, he wanted to change, he wanted to change film. Like that's, he wanted people to make movies differently. He wanted people to think about movies differently. And I think he does, it. he does that here, you know?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, mean, you know, I, I, and, and I I feel like we're, (laughs) it like the whole this whole episode is just us kind of arguing back and forth about things well but really you
1: had, you had just said you didn't want to you you didn't you don't typically like read that much into movies i'm just no, saying no, i'm just saying I'm like
0: just, but it's funny because like we 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 seem to be kind of like butting heads you know throughout the, the episode but really honestly we hate each other like what's that i said we hate each other <laughs> that's why we do this yeah. um it's therapy um but uh but honestly, you know, I mean, like, you know, I, I mean, if you were to ask me, yeah, I, I like, I like the movie, you know, better than the book. Um, but, um, so it's not, it's not even about that. It's more about, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's more about like, I feel like Kubrick did certain things just to, I don't know. Like, i don't know why i feel like he could have made the same movie you know with the same focus that he wanted to do that you know slightly different from the book but still included other things that kind of you know from the book that helped kind of support that in a way but i don't know maybe not um but i mean i will say you know it's it's you know, visually and, and, um, and audibly it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fantastic piece of film. I mean, just the the production design and in the cinematography and, um, I mean, it's, and it just, you know, to me the, this movie is less about like story and characters and it's more about, it's more about just like, like mood, and, oh yeah, and feeling and yeah. um, and just kind of creating this 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 atmosphere and and yeah and and like you said it's this it's like this I don't know it's uh, yeah it's 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 all about it's about like kind of losing control and and losing yeah. your sanity and um but and- I. I read a, I read a thing from the, from the director, um, of Room 237, that, uh, documentary about all the weird theories, uh, about, you know, the, you know, the meaning of the movie and everything like that. And, and he, I thought he summed it up pretty nice where he just kind of, he basically said like to him, it was, it's like, it's a movie about, you know, uh you know, it's about a, it's about a family and it's about an, an individual basically like choosing his career, choosing, you know, other things outside of his family, you know, over that, over, you know, taking, that taking precedent over kind of, you know, family. And I don't know, I thought that was, I thought that was a yeah. really good way of just like simplifying like to me I don't, and I don't know if that's what what Kubrick really wanted to say but like but it's absolutely true you know
1: Yeah I don't think he wanted to say anything I think it's a, I mean that that's probably the the yeah the the most conventional that's a good a good summary of of you know of the of the theme kind of in general especially you know especially when you look at it in terms of the book and stuff too, it's kind of along those lines. Um, But I think, I mean, I really think that it was, it's his Kubrick. I really, you know, I had, I gave my opinion on my little, my little interpretation earlier, kind of how I think of it. But I really think Kubrick's intent was that it was that the movie is an empty vessel. You know, the movie is, the movie is generated is there to get you to think about the movie you know it's kind of meta in that way it's it's Hmm. he's leading you towards something but he's not necessarily but he's not necessarily going to tell you what he's leading you toward you know he, he may have an idea of what it is but his idea of of what it is he doesn't hold that as a as a as a objective truth, he allows you to find your own objective yeah. truth in in the interpretation of the movie. And that's what I again, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that's the beauty of it is is I don't think there is an, a, a, there certainly there's some outlandish interpretations, but I don't think there is a right interpretation because it is so stripped down and because it is what it is, I think he he puts the pieces there to lead you to a certain place. But he truly wants you to find whatever that place is on your own. What do you, what does it mean to you? You know, what, yeah. you know, what, what's what, what in what he has laid out scares you, you know? And, right. and why does it scare you? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, there's, it's just a lot to break apart, but I think, um, you know, going back to, to how the movie looks and kind of the, the set de- decoration stuff, you know, The reason people read so much into it and the reason there are so many interpretations and things like that is Stanley Kubrick was a meticulous filmmaker. I mean, meticulous. I mean, like, they shot this movie for 56 weeks. They took hundreds of takes for certain scenes. Hundreds. Yeah. Things were not – things in this movie that are where they are in the scene – or framed the way they're framed, or in a scene and not in a scene at another time, or are being shown as a reflection at one point and not a reflection at another point, or, you know, all these different things that are are choices that are being made throughout the movie are intentional. And so as soon as you know that all of these different things that are occurring over the course of this two and a half hours are intentional, the, the next logical question is what? are they leading you to, (laughs) you know, what, if they're intentional, what do they mean? And that's where it's like, that's where, that's what blows my mind about this movie is all those intentional decisions he made. And sure. (laughs) Some of them were aesthetic. Um,
0: And some some of of them
1: were for other reasons, but they're, they're intentional and they, they mean, they, they have to lead to something. And, and I don't think, again, I don't think there is an objective truth. Uh, but I think that Stanley had an idea of where they kind of, what they meant as a whole and where they kind of, you know, what they meant to him as a whole. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, to think about, you know, um, and obviously, yeah, he's the director. He was in charge, but there were, tons of other people working on this film. True. Um, And, um, but I mean, yeah, you know, he's the, he's the ringleader. um, And, you know, it's just, sometimes I I wonder how much, like if maybe he's given too much credit in terms of like, you know, like he's not perfect. He's not a perfect you know what i mean none of us are yeah and so like you have, you know you you look at some of the stuff and you're like okay like you you start re- because because kubrick has this you know has this status as, as this you know as this this you know specific type of filmmaker um you know you're always going to you're always going to look at things and 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 maybe even look too deeply into them, and 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 find meaning yeah. where there
1: is no meaning sometimes. And I mean, sometimes maybe, but I don't know. You know, he had, for one thing, he had oversight over a lot of things in a way that a lot of other directors wouldn't. I mean, he 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 oversaw, you know, the editing process and and the cinematography and and things well, like yeah, that in a way part that. Of the- you know, yeah, but directing. I mean, probably to a degree that other directors not wouldn't necessarily do that. I don't know. Yeah. But you have things like, and these are not like, I know I said oh, everything in a scene is, a, is the way it is because, you know, it's, it's intended to be that way. Like, there's no mistakes. Um, but you have things like, you have things like, again, the shot I mentioned, you know, like the shot where he's talking to Wendy and you know, 75% of the shot he's laying in bed and it's through the mirror and you see the mirror image of him talking. And then at one point during the conversation, it flips and then you, you don't, you're looking at them. It's like, it's like the screen flips horizontally because now you're seeing them not in the mirror. And, and that's a choice. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, you know that's a what's the word I'm looking for? That's a that's not an accident. It's not a it's not a passive choice. It's he's actively making a choice to say we're going to show the mirror of this shot for X amount of time, and then we're going to flip it and show the actual you know aesthetic of the room, you know, in a normal view. Right. And what is the cause for that choice? I mean, it, the, again, it it's not necessarily some grand plot it's not necessarily some objective truth he's trying to lead you to but there's something it's it's it should it's there to say something about the character or it's there to say something about the relationship or it's there to say something about the theme of the movie it's there for a reason but what that reason is you know is difficult to say and then you've got many many things like that that add up you know to a greater whole and what is that what is that greater whole you know yeah. What does it mean to, and again it's it's more about what it means to you. Right. So sure, I I guess at times maybe he gets more credit than he deserves um because of because of how you know how revered he is a, as a director but you know there's a lot of choice there's a lot of things like that are that are specific choices that are meant you know he was so good with he was so good with with uh framing his shots and 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 how and the aesthetic of how the how the shot looked that you know when things like that happen you're you're like he's making this choice oh but yeah why? No, you know, what is the reason so I don't know so that's the shining <laughs> tune in next week when we yell at each other about the lost boys
0: oh shit um, but.
1: Let's talk about, let's, did you have something else you want to say about that? Because we could talk about Scatman. (laughs) We could talk about, Um, I kind of want to talk about Shelley Duvall.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was just going to say, you know, you you were talking about, like, you know, um, just, you know, choices, you know, in in terms of framing and and, and just, you know, Kubrick in general and and his directing style and stuff like that. Um, You know, to me... To me, well, well, well just I, I'm I'm about to talk about a, a scene, uh, and it just made me realize that like there are a lot of there are a lot of scenes in this movie that take place in bathrooms. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is strange. I don't there, and again, maybe there's something there with that too. <laughs> Who knows?
1: You know, I don't know. There's a lot of poop, a lot of a lot of scenes of Jack <laughs> pooping for some reason.
0: <laughs> um but one of my favorite scenes in the movie um well there's a couple i mean there's another scene that i really like too um i really like the scene where uh where uh you know basically danny shows up and he's oh god his shirt's all ripped up and and then she's terrifying she, you know, she he's silent. He's not saying anything, and she blame. She's like, oh, "You did this,"
1: you know, blaming. That's the uh, scariest part of blaming the whole movie. Jack. Um, that, that part, not yeah. not the part that comes after. That part, yeah. When she, when the two of them are like fighting, and yeah. he comes in, like however old he is, sucking his thumb, and he's got like, oh my god, yeah, it's like the most realistic, yeah, like domestic abuse, like feel of domestic abuse, right? And then she's screaming, oh, it's. Yeah. Gut wrenching. I hate that part. Yeah, it's so, great. I hate that part. It's great. Danny Lloyd really pulls it off too. I don't know how he's he's really good in the movie. I mean, even the Tony voice, like you really feel like he's slipping into a different character. But when he shows up sucking his thumb, man, yeah, that gets me every time.
0: So that that part. But then where that leads to, yeah, afterwards, um, when when Jack has has gone to the room and has had his encounter with the woman in the bathtub. Yeah. And he comes back and he says that he didn't see anything. Right. Um, and, and, and then, and he's being, he's actually being like, he is kind of, he, he's had moments uh, at that point in the movie. He's, he's had moments where you're like, okay, this guy's going off the fucking rails yeah.
1: already. He's, he's already done the, when I'm in here Yeah. That and scene. I'm, and I'm writing, don't fucking come in. Whether, and if I'm not writing, <laughs> Yeah.
0: whether I'm writing or I'm I'm not writing, don't come in. Yeah. Um. And so you know, you've already had these moments. You're like, okay, this guy's, you know, he's on edge. He's he's at he's he's at the he's teetering on the edge here. Of you know. Yeah. Um. But then after that, after that scene happens, and you see that he sees. He sees what what uh, his child has said, you know, he experienced. Right. Um, and he comes back and he doesn't, you know, he says there was nothing, you know, to, to Wendy. Yeah. And and he's being, he's actually being very, like, calm and kind of collected. Yeah. And then, um, and then Wendy, like, suggests that they, like, take, that they leave. Mm-hmm. And take him to the, you know, take him to a hospital or whatever. And he just like, snaps. And that scene, I I just really like that scene and the way that they edit it. They they like cut to like, they I think they cut to Danny. At, at a point in that in that scene, and he's just like his eyes are just like it's like he's silent, and his eyes yeah. are just like wide open. And He's just like, kind of like like yeah. a silent scream or whatever. Um, but I just like I really like the editing the back and forth editing in that scene and, and just the, just the, the significance of that scene. Cause you just, at that point you realize like his family is kind of secondary, you know, right. like it's not about his family anymore. Like you, you, you yeah. realize that at that point. Um, so I really, I really like that scene and, and we haven't really talked about the music at all, but I really actually this watching it this week, again and like I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie but it's been it's been a, you know it's I, I I'd say I've seen this movie a good ten times possibly um but I've never appreciated the music as much as I did this time around um yeah and uh there yeah there's just I don't know i, I and and he he used a lot of classical music like he um which I think he did a lot in his movies but um, yeah, he
1: does that a lot. He doesn't have a ton of um, original score. Typically, usually it's like pop music, classic music, right?
0: And but I, for whatever reason, I just found which is which is even kind of which is kind of crazier. Like how like that just, that just seems like it'd be even harder to do than than like have yeah. somebody like go and create something that you know you know original that is tailor made. For the movie like right. it seems like it'd be harder to find pieces of classical music that fit the but but that's the thing it's like it doesn't feel like it it doesn't feel like oh he's taking these famous classical pieces and pe- you know placing them into the movie it all right. feels very natural you know within within the context of the movie and, and how it's placed yeah. but um but okay I'm going I'm getting off on a tangent here but like one am my you know talking about like the the um Significance of you know the the set design and production design stuff like that. Um, One of my favorite scenes, both in terms of the production design and also in terms, it's another big turning point in the movie, um, is the scene in the bathroom with 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 Grady, with the the the, butler, Um, and it's in that it's that stark red red and white very modern kind of like seventies retro modern, I don't know, kind of, um, yeah. Kind of deal. And, and, uh, yeah, I love that scene. And that scene's really, that I love how that scene, uh, like develops and evolves. Oh yeah. Like just it's, kind of twists and it, turns it's weird and... because like initially, like he spills a drink in the ballroom. He spills a drink on, on, on Jack's jacket. And then, he like like they like go to the bathroom and he's just he's like slowly cleaning it off and it's like not much is really happening you know yeah and then the way that the conversation steers, yeah. uh, I just I love I love that moment it's and it's like it's, it's like you so flawless you were the character yeah. here <laughs> it's that 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 to me is like one of the best scenes in the movie it's just where in terms of how. I don't know, just the how they how that scene develops and evolves, and and it's just so it's like I don't know, it's beautiful. It's 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 so, slippery. It's, you
1: know, they're both kind of. Grady's just very slippery in that scene. He kind of he starts off all shifty, like no, that's not me, and right. then it's like the next thing you know, he's like telling Jack he's going to have to deal right. with, you know, it, it, like, you're like, like, well, how do we yeah. get here? Yeah. And, 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 you know, Jack's just kind of like, you know, he's going from like, kind of like you were the, you know, like in his face, like you were the yeah. caretaker. I, I, t- to be in like, you know, kind of eating out of the palm of his hand and right. just like, it's, yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. crazy.
0: Like how much things shift in, in that one scene and, yeah. and how, how flawlessly, they made that huge leap, you know? Yeah. Like to him basically, you know, saying, like, you're going to have to correct <laughs> your wife and your yeah. child. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, I just, yeah, that's, that's an amazing, amazing scene.
1: Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, I, I love, um, I mean, <laughs> one of the scenes that I, I, absolutely love um i'll talk about this other scene first um no i'll talk about the scene i love first (laughs) i'm trying to i'm trying to think of what makes more sense the scene i love the scene i love is is the bat scene so the bat scene is great so wendy shows up this is after that point wendy shows up and she's like basically she finds out she's going to tell jack she's going to take danny to the to the doctor. Right. Danny's been, Danny's got something wrong with him. She still isn't sure that Jack didn't beat the crap out of him. She's going to take him to the doctor. Cause he's not acting right. And she's got a bat with her baseball bat. And that's when she finds the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's what he's been working on for. Right. You know, a month is just all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And so then she's free. And, and the, the shots you know, the framing and stuff of those shots where it's, like, looking up at her yeah, and then, like, yeah. her standing at the desk. Great stuff. Yeah. And then he shows up out of the fucking doorway, which I love that shot, too, the the tracking. So there's yeah. there's so much tracking in this movie <laughs> that it'll make your fucking head spin. Um, but the tracking shot, you know, goes down the hallway and shows her standing at the desk. And then as it's she's reading, you see him then come into the doorway and, and start to talk to her, and she freaks out. And so they they argue and and he he mocks her and like oh my god it's just it's delicious the <laughs> things that go back and forth in that scene and then he basically is he basically backpedals her from the desk all the way across this ballroom up that flight of stairs and the whole way up the stairs is when he kind of like turns you know he's where he kind of like just becomes completely malicious and I just love when – he, because uh, there's just those slow shots of him plodding up the stairs, like, at her, you know. And I just love when he's like, Wendy, give me the bat, Wendy. I'm not going to hurt you, Wendy. You didn't let me finish. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your fucking brains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to bash them right the fucking. And then she swings and knocks him down. And I love that. And then – so then the turning point, the, the, one of the interesting things about the movie – is we've kind of talked about, and I never realized this until recently. We've talked about how it's it's very ambiguous up until late in the movie that these are even that the that the place is haunted. There's a there's a you could really take it as as, you know, just kind of you could really you could really up through about three quarters of the movie could take it as Jack is abusing Danny, right. which is causing Danny to kind of turn inward and have emotional issues and Jack is kind of crazy and abusive and and they're both seeing things because of this um and so it's not until she cracks him in the skull and puts him in the pantry it locks him in there that Grady shows up and lets him out of the pantry that that's kind of the turning point where it's like no, these are ghosts. Yeah. Like that's, that's when Stanley Kubrick finally says, Grady is letting him, that is Grady letting him out of the pantry. We've, we've, you've, we've, we've made you question it until this point, but right. now we're telling you, yes, these are ghosts. And at that point now, Wendy starts seeing them and, and it becomes much more obvious that this place is truly yeah. fucked And up.
0: that's not till the very end um, when Wendy. That's the very when end. When Wendy, yeah. you know, is going through the hotel, you know, going through the hotel and comes across, you know, different <laughs> scenes of. You yeah, know, weird shit going on. Um, on, on her way out to, to to the you know the hedge maze. Um, yeah, I love that shot, by the way, the shot of, the shot of him like looking at the 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 model of the uh, yeah the, uh, of yeah, the hedge maze, and then it just like cuts zooms in, cuts to that like sh- the overhead shot looking down, and it, and it zooms in. That's a, I think that's the only shot in the movie, where. It's not done in camera. Like they, they did a, you know, yeah. they had to, they shot like a model, and then they, Matt they Payne, shot, whatever, the, yeah, yeah, they, they shot like a little section of like them walking, and then they composited it in there. But like, um, but yeah,
1: yeah, because all that stuff was built on a set. Yeah, this, there was no full size hedge maze. Right.
0: And all wasn't that? Uh, wasn't that? Uh, didn't they shoot it on the same set as um, the Hoth? The Hoth set of Empire Strikes Back? Yes. I'm pretty sure they did. Yes. And all that was like, it was like salt and I can't remember what else it was. Salt and yeah. styrofoam maybe. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: Um, so Shelley Duvall. <laughs> poor, so, poor, poor, poor Shelley, Shelley Duvall. Duvall. <laughs> so... She she did a lot of Shelley Duvall is interesting. So I I Shelley Duvall is like Robert Altman's muse. Yeah, like I never realized this, but essentially Robert Altman discovered her, and basically put him in every one of her movies, or put her in every one of his movies from like the early seventies until like the the mid eighties. Yeah, like just cast her, and she really wasn't in. Another movie, a direct a movie for a different director until she was in a Woody, uh, Woody Allen movie just a couple of years before The Shining came out. Hmm. And so she was used to working with Robert Altman, which if you know anything about Robert Altman and this drives me fucking crazy, it's his signature, but it drives me fucking crazy about Robert Altman. His signature is he mics up every person in the fucking cast. And they all just talk at the same time. Like, have you ever seen a Robert Altman movie? They just, everybody just talks at the same time. And you can't make out a goddamn word of dialogue (laughs) half the time. And that's kind of like one of his thing. Like, he did it in MASH. He did it in Popeye. He did it in all these different movies. Popeye. Popeye. So, Shelley Duvall gets to the set of The Shining. And this is like the second time she's worked with a serious director besides Robert Altman and it's Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and it's Stanley Kubrick and he's fucking insane and he's insane and he really she's she did interviews after the fact where she's she makes it seem like she gave as good as she got she makes it seem like you know she appreciated the time on set she learned a lot from him he was difficult but you know not so bad but by all implications like it was. It was. He was hard on her, you know, and he did that supposedly to get the emotional performance out of her that she gave, which, which
0: is kind of shitty. It yeah. is absolutely
1: shitty. I, I mean, mean, she's an actress. She, she's an she doesn't act, need yeah, to be berated. Right. To <laughs>
0: she's an actress. You're a director, right? Like direct them. You don't have to like. You don't have to physically, you know, verbally and physically, or not physically, but abuse you know someone to get it up her, the performance that you want you know I mean like that's right. kind
1: of fucked up um, yeah and and that's and that's that's and you know you say abuse I don't know the extent you know I, I don't know how bad it was you can see clips behind the scene clips where he's he's griping at her you know clearly griping at her Um but I mean like
0: like Nicholson has you know Nicholson has said like he doesn't know how, you know, she did it, you know, like how she well, did what I she think, did.
1: I think Nicholson was the quote that I read. He said basically said that, but he was Nick. What Nicholson was referring to was doing hundred and forty. So the the stairwell take was the most, the second most takes for the entire the, the staircase scene was the second most takes for the entire picture. And it was Picture. like hundred and forty something takes. Yeah. Yeah. And I and w- what I saw, Nicholson was referring to, he didn't know how she could do that many takes and act go through that emotional ringer and act right, right. visibly upset and crying right. like a hundred right. and forty something times. And, I
0: mean that's what she's doing like most of the movie, you know. Like, right.
1: Um And she said the same thing. You know, Shelley Duvall's on record as saying, like, I don't know how, like, there were days, she was like, there were days where I was like, I can't believe I have to wake up and cry for 16 hours. And she was like, that, and that would make me cry. And so then, but uh, the, the, the real place that I saw it come from was, was Angelica Houston, actually, who was dating Jack Nicholson at the time was kind of like, kind of was the one that I saw that really said, I think Stanley and Jack, Jack too were both a lot harder on Shelley than than she, than was really needed. Yeah, um, and, and and you know to to a fault, and especially with the two of them kind of teaming up, like it was a bad situation. Um, but I don't know that we'll ever, you know, you'll ever know right. how bad or how or, or or how much it impacted her. Right. I'm just glad that she was finally in a movie that was the exact opposite of Robert Altman, where it's like four seconds of Silence between each line of dialogue instead of <laughs> everyone talking over themselves. Because it is, I mean, with Stanley Kubrick, outside of Arlie Ermy shouting in Full Metal Jacket, the dialogue with Stanley in Stanley Kubrick movies is very deliberate, very well, you know, slower paced. Yeah. Even in this movie where you've got Jack Nicholson kind of going cuckoo bananas, cuckoo like bananas. He's he's, he's uh, you know he's still being very deliberate with his timing. Yeah. Um, The other thing is the, is the layout of the overlook hotel. Doesn't make impossibilities. Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And you know, all that was intentional. Right. Like you can't, you don't build sets like being like, well, there's a window here, but it doesn't really make sense, but screw it. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I just, yeah, like you said, you'll just never know, you know, but I just, but I want to know, like, I want to know, I want to, I don't know, I just, I just want to know, like, his thinking and, you know, his, you know, why he made the choices that he made and, you know, it's, yeah. And, 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 you know, he's not the only director to do these types of things, you know, but it's, no, but yeah, it's, you know, it is, it's, and I, yeah, it's, it, the Shining is a, a strange movie in that, you know, I think you, I think you kind of nailed it where you said like, you know, it's, in a sense, it's so stripped down. Um, and, it, 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 you know, it's like less is more, you know, like you. The, le- the less information he's really giving you the more the more open it is to interpretation you know yeah. um, the
1: more the more the more able you are if I'm not a if I'm not to a, come up with your own yeah well not just come up with your own interpretation but if I'm not a middle-aged alcoholic wannabe writer, I may not connect with Jack Torrance at all. But if he's but if he's not talking about the writing so much, just talking about work, and if he's not right, you know, if he's not, you know, acting certain ways, if he's more of an empty vessel, I can more easily put myself into that, yeah situation, you know, yeah, but at the sacrifice, as you said, at the sacrifice of kind of that sometimes that emotional connection of if you do re- if a character does resonate with you, you know, that's a whole different thing. You know, if it's somebody who's very deep, a character who's very deep, it has a lot of, you know, layers and it does resonate, then that's much more powerful than right. a very basic character who, who, you know, anybody can kind of throw themselves into. Right.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: I did want to mention the tracking as well. Um Because Stanley Kubrick is known for using tracking shots. That was kind of a joke earlier when I said that, but, He is known for using tracking shots and the Steadicam. We talked about Steadicam a little bit with Halloween, but the Steadicam was, this was one of the first movies that really utilized it. Um, And it did so in a way that I find really interesting because especially when you first show up at the Overlook Hotel, you're kind of following the Torrance family and uh, Stuart Allman around the hotel with all these tracking shots and it's very like voyeuristic almost like you feel like, you know, you're it, it's, it's less like a movie and more like you're kind of watching these people from afar and kind of following them, you know? Yeah. And, and again, going back to to Stanley Kubrick, I think that was intentional. I think the intent and in, with that is, is to some extent that it's the hotel, you know, your point of view yeah. is that of, the hotel itself as this kind of living thing and, and kind of seeing these people arrive. And then it's interesting. One of the things I saw at the end, when Jack is swinging the ax into the door, the camera actually follows the ax wings. Yeah. You know, it goes back as he pulls back and then slams into the door. And, and, and again, if you interpret that as, the, the camera point of view is the hotel, you can take that to mean that the hotel has kind of gone from this, this, and this was in a YouTube video I think I watched, but it was a cool, it was a very cool theory. Um, the camera, you know, the hotel has gone from kind of this voyeuristic onlooker to now that it's kind of taken over Jack. Now it's this, now it's an active participant. Yeah in this violence, right. you know, it's helping him. You're helping him as the hotel swing this ax, which I thought was really cool. It's a, it's, it's interesting, you know, and it's another, it's just another little small thing, you know, small detail.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, I love that. And, uh, but something makes me think that like, that is absolutely not something that Kubrick intentionally did. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, again yeah I I think it's great I love it and it makes sense and it's cool um and I love that people can kind of you know see these see these things in these ways and and interpret them in that way and and put it out into the world so that other people other dumbass people like me um can see it and like oh yeah that is yeah I like that that's cool or whatever you know and um but yeah, but again, I, but I, I think it's you know, you know, it's like uh, it's it's like any art critic, you know, You're, you they're always gonna find something, and and again, that's the beauty of it too, because like they're always gonna find something that the artist maybe didn't intentionally do, did they, they? They didn't intend, right. but you have this viewer now, who's who's seeing it in this spe- specific way, and they're making this interpretation and and that's the beauty of art is to have right you know you know to have these different interpretations and to to have something make you feel to have something make different people feel different ways um, and get something different out of it um so that's i I mean that's that's what good art does
1: uh, yeah and i think that's that kind of wraps it up perfectly right there is that and and again, going back to Stephen King a little bit, Stephen King had a very strong vision about the story he wanted to tell, and and um, Stanley Kubrick kind of blew it up, you know, in this way. But Stanley Kubrick's vision was was uh, that is the piece I believe. So whether you interpret it right or you interpret it wrong, Stanley Kubrick is is his intent was just that you interpret it, yeah, just that it means that you think about it. And it means something to you some way and you, and, and, and maybe you find things in places where there is nothing, but you're thinking about it. You know, it's, it's, that was his intent, you know, regardless of, of where it, where it ended up, his intent was that you thought about it and that it takes you somewhere. Whereas Stephen King was more interested in, I wanted to stick to the story and the themes and the characterizations that I created, you know, which both are, (laughs) both are good, it's just yeah, one is different than the yeah. other.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, but
1: absolutely, I think people find things, you know, people find things where there is nothing. But that's the beauty of it, like you said, that's that's art. Yeah, I guess.
0: And and, and you know, I mean, the the art forms are so they're they're so different. I mean, books and movies yeah. are so they're so different. You know, and and yeah. um, what works in a book, you know, isn't always going to work in a film. You know, I mean, c- certainly, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Stephen King, you know, his, his novels are so, you know, they, they go all over the place and, and, right. you know, they
1: draw on a lot of fantasy elements too, which yeah. is very,
0: and, and, and so, you mean, you know, it's really hard to make, you know, an adaptation of one of his books because he kind of goes off on tangents and, and, and things like that. And, and so, I mean, like, yeah, I totally agree with you in that, in that, um, in, a, in, in many ways, um, you know, Kubrick, you know, simplified things and and ultimately did, you know, you know, made it better. Um, but, but, you know, it's cool. It's cool that, you know, obviously they both exist for people to enjoy in different ways. And yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I actually
1: kind of want to read the book again. We'll see.
0: Yeah, it's been. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I think it's. Uh, it's been sometime in the last five years. I think I did it. I think I did the audio book too. Um, back when I was driving, narrated
1: by Stacy Keach. Stacy Keach. <laughs> um,
0: no, no, but no. um, but yeah, I guess I guess that's The Shining. I don't know. We we could talk yeah. more. We could talk more. But honestly, I've got to take a piss. And also, it's an hour and a half, and that's our usual. That's our, our usual uh yeah, our usual run I mean we talked for two hours so. about
1: 30 days of night, but
0: <laughs> no, not 30 days of night. oh, leather I went in
1: let me in and that was two Daddy. movies. that was two movies. that was two movies. Um, we could have talked about more about the uh miniseries, but Oh, God, no you know we don't nobody wants to do that
0: <laughs> well.
1: Well, that was good. That That was our most artistic and certainly our most debate, debateful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you had more, you had much more to say than I did. Um, I've thought about this
1: movie a lot for the last few years.
0: Yeah, apparently so. Uh, But it was good. It was good. It was a good discussion. Um, So thanks, thanks for joining us and listening and uh, we'll, we'll be back uh next month. I don't know what we're gonna do, but we'll be back and uh in the meantime, we'll scare you later. Scare you later.